I had never seen, and I still have not seen the Pokemon movie, but my, so my primary association with it is, uh, the one girlfriend I ever had, I went ah. to a JROTC dance with her ah. in high school. Oh, this keeps getting Christ. better and better. And this... Did they play the Pokemon theme while you just slow danced? She requested the Pokemon theme. Oh, fuck me. But because, but she wanted to dance alone to it, and she was truly alone on that dance floor, <laughs> dancing to the Pokemon theme song. You really know how to catch them. What can I say? That was, <laughs> was a real moment in my a life. Clear, clear indication for you that this was not the way things were yeah, going to go. I felt like I don't know about this. <laughs> episode of Why Did We Watch This, a podcast where three friends watch a troubled movie, have a themed cocktail, and then talk about that movie. Uh, in two weeks, we will have a full episode for you. Uh, this week, we're going to have a little mini topic. This is your host for this week, Lee Delahanty. And I'm Chris Ravel. Me, I'm Brendan Trishler. Yeah, that's you. That's me. Say moi. That means it is me. So in two weeks, we will be doing a movie from 1997 mm-hmm. called A Life Less Ordinary. Yep. Directed uh, by Danny Boyle. Yep, starring uh, Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. That's a name. That's, Ewan McGregor. That sure is a name. Uh, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. Got the Tooch. Yeah, the Tooch. Reunion of our past. That's right. Why did we watch the stars? Jack the Giant Jack Slayer. Jack the Giant Slayer. Part two. Yeah. We also have um, Holly, Holly Hunter. Hunter. Delroy Lindo. Yeah. And Ian uh, Holm. Yeah, Ian, Ian Holm. Holm. That's mostly it. Yeah, those are the, those those are the big guys. The Dana big Dea. Eight. Did you say Dana Dea? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Dana Dea. Although he, I want it no, Could Dana Dea, Dea say Dana Dea? <laughs> Dana Dea. Dana Dea. Dana Dea. Dana Dea. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. <laughs> he truly, you have to swallow, like, most of the most of the, the vowels. That's all your vowels are doing Dana Dea. And there's these impressions of Dana Dea. So many impressions of Dana Dea. Dana Dea. It's not going to stop. We're going to continue doing this. It's a fascinating movie from my youth. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to see how it holds up. That's right. We'll and have some special ghosts. Yeah. So what Sorry, are we that says drinking? guests. I misread it. Special guests. Oh, that'll be next month. <laughs> yeah, next month for Halloween. Some ghosts. special ghosts. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for validating. You're welcome. <laughs> how, what am I going to be drinking was, when I relive my childhood? So when you relive your childhood, you're going to be drinking alcohol much as you did in your childhood, I'm sure. And the drink yep. you'll be drinking is called... <laughs> A lime less ordinary. It's going to be two ounces of ransom old Tom gin because, you know, kidnapping. One ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and some black pepper bitters. You combine the gin, the lime juice, and the simple syrup in a shaker with some ice, strain into a glass, and add a dash of the black pepper bitters. Woo! Yep. I'm excited for how that's going to turn out. Yep. Yeah, so am I. I think it'll be pretty tasty. I can't even imagine what it will taste like. (laughs) We haven't already recorded this episode. Definitely not. We do everything in order. Yeah, what a delight that will be. <laughs> um, so pleased with ourselves. So, in the not in the notion of seeing how this movie is going to hold up, um, this week uh, we had the idea of talking about things that don't hold up mm-hmm. from our childhood, or maybe things that do as well. But th- you know, things that you saw when you were young and you were stupid. Because let's face it, we were all dumb as fuck. I would even say, if, if you loved something, if you, even if you loved some movie as a kid and you still love it as an adult, I would say that that love and what the things you appreciate about it are likely pretty different. Maybe, but points. I think that like sometimes you do just like not. Yeah, you, there are things we don't think about when you're a kid. It's a simpler time, yeah. right. a simpler place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Maybe we all just place. go back to it. Yeah, you know? and I remember like, like the fifties. I remember with Life of Ordinary, there are a lot of things that I just didn't think about, or didn't you know? Maybe I didn't know how the world worked as much, or mm-hmm. like. So yeah, um, 
I was trying to think of other movies, honestly, because I, I I have seen Eleven Sword Nation somewhat recently, and I know that there are, there are problems you can spot from a mile away if you're mm-hmm. not like ten. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. You know, like I was, other movies of that that were that bad. I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of movies that I would still see today, and I would be like, yeah, this is dumb, but I would still say I like it. I mean, so here's the thing, right? There are a lot of movies that I can think of that I saw as a kid and really loved. And now I look at it as an adult with a more critical eye. It's kind of like, like when I was a child, I loved Sleeping Beauty a lot. And now as an adult, I can look and be like, wow, like the ostensible protagonist like does nothing to drive the story forward. She barely talks. Like these other characters are doing all they can to move the plot forward. But nonetheless, I can still look and be like, well, it looks terrific. It sounds great. The score Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Like there's a lot of good voice performances from people who actually do say things. So it's like... I feel like it's still, I can look at something that I appreciate as a child and I still do like it probably as much as I did as a child, even though I can look at it now and say like, oh, well, there are some real like severe story flaws in this. Yeah. Which is, I think, not uncommon, especially if you're doing like, if you're talking about like a children's movie or something, I'm sure there are a lot of children's movies um, that, you know, if it was something you saw as a kid and now look back at as an adult, you'd be like, my God, I can't believe I used to sit through this. Yeah. Well, I know that. You have a lot of issues with the Sword in the Stone. I do. I love it. I saw it as a kid. And I, I was going to say see it now, and I love it. Maybe I can acknowledge their flaws, but I don't care. I also loved that movie as a child, but I, I haven't seen it as an adult, so I have not given it that critical. Eye. I mean, there are like there are there are things that I like about the movie. Like, I don't think it's like a complete you know piece of garbage, right? Like, I like Madame Mim. I like the Wizard's Duel at the end. I was gonna say I love the Wizard's Duel. There are like jokes that I think still land pretty well. I I think like it's it's like it's a very episodic movie, and I think as a child, that's not something you really notice because like yeah. the Sword in the Stone is basically like he meets Merlin. Like, Merlin they, turns him into an animal. He turns back into a human. Merlin turns him into another animal. He turns back into a human. Merlin and turns to another animal, they have a wizard's duel, he pulls a sword from a stone. Yeah, it's sort of like a, um, like, picaresque of, like, yeah. let's, yeah. let's, yeah, have, like, let's, let me teach you about the world via animal right. transformation. Thrice. Thrice, yeah. And then, like, yeah, then it devolves rather quickly into, like, and then he's the king. Yeah. Thrice really, over it, it was it's, a it's picaresque. remarkable how quickly that movie ends, because it literally ends with, like, Arthur being in the throne room, like, all by himself, he's like, well, shit, now what? Merlin shows up, he's like, don't worry, kid, you're gonna be great. Roll end credits. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a weird and I, I like the book that it's based on. None of that should happen. So there's pretty liberal adaptation, right? It is. Like it's just like I mean, it's been a while since I've read the book. I know the book does have a lot of like Merlin turning Arthur into animals in it. Yeah, which I imagine is probably why like Disney would have seen it and been like, aha, perfect it's, for animation. Right. Yes, exactly yeah. that sort of thing. Um, I would assume that the book probably has a stronger plot going yeah. through it and i mean there is like an idea right the idea of sword in the stone i guess is that you need education and reason in order to be like a good leader and you shouldn't just rely on like might makes right mm-hmm. yeah but that's like that's kind of tossed away yeah. like they mention it like in the beginning where merlin's like hey you gotta educate yourself to be a good king yeah. and like ostensibly he is educating him throughout the movie but most of the focus is really just like what sort of like wacky shenanigans will we get into when i'm turned into a squirrel but isn't it kind of like they don't really tell him like, it's weird, because Merlin has this agenda, like, I'm going to go find this kid who I know is going to be mm-hmm. king, and I'm going to teach him. But this kid doesn't, like, Merlin doesn't say, like, by the way, you're going to find the sword and pull it out, and you're going to be king. This right. is why you need to know all this shit. He's just like, you need to know this shit, it's important. And, yeah. and, Ar- and Arthur's like, no, it's not. I'm right. going to be a squire. squire. Yeah. Like, I only need to know how to, like, saddle a horse and, like, yeah. have a spear ready. Right. And, like, I just feel like Merlin's really, like... Pushing it on him? No, not pushing it on him. He's really, like, stabbing himself with his own sword by, like, not telling Arthur, like, no, but there's a... There's There's a very good reason why you don't need to know this sort of thing. You really should be aware of (laughs) How's your pulling arm, incidentally? Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, it's really, like, 
Arthur's not that motivated a learner. No, he's really not. <laughs> it's sort of fascinating to have like a central character in a children's movie be someone who's like kind of okay with being ignorant for the most part. Yeah, and he's kind of like thrilled. He's like happy to like explore being an animal, and, and like I feel like that sort of the bribe that Merlin is taking mm-hmm. on him. Right, like, like learn your alphabet. I'll turn you into a fish. Yeah. And that, like, so there, that's how the only time he gets to the douche is when it's like, oh, this is fun and cool and interesting. Right. And maybe it was also, like, a win for Merlin of, like, God, this kid's pretty annoying as is, but what if he's less annoying as a squirrel? Yeah, but Merlin's got to be there chaperoning him the entire time and getting hit on by that overweight lady squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was so awkward. <laughs> really? That's, what is she when he had to turn back into a human? That, I, yeah. mean, I mean, that whole thing is, like, one of those things that has not aged terribly well in the movie where it's like, like, oh, no, like, this, this hideous, like, overweight lady squirrel. She's so desperate for sex. Yeah. They, well, and it's also just, like, they kind of get into a similar thing in the actual uh, book of the magicians where everyone is turned during at one point everyone's turned into snow foxes and they all just fuck each other and later everyone's like so that was weird just on a number of levels so it's just like there must be some kind of like weird after feeling you would have well I mean it's different there too because in the magicians there are at least two humans and and sword in the stone one's like an actual squirrel who wants to fuck this yeah. human who's a and squirrel. And there's a, there's a hot, a young hot Yeah, and a, you know, like a little girl too. squirrel who's also girl really squirrel. hot on Arthur. Yeah. Girl yeah. squirrel. Yeah, Which squirrel is girl. even worse. It is. I mean, they're underage, right? I mean, yeah. I guess she's a squirrel, so squirrels probably mature faster, right? <laughs> she's probably legal. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's just super weird and awkward. There's no. like two squirrels. It is. That are like lusting after the, the two that Arthur and Merlin. But on the other hand, it has one of my favorite lines in Disney song where Madame Bib, like, says something like she turns beautiful and she says, but it's only skin deep for Zim Zabrum Zim. I'm an ugly old creep. And I just love the line, I'm an ugly old creep. That's like, yeah, she knows what she is and she rocks it. Yeah, she's She's happy. an ugly old creep. She's not going to be that. Um, no, I, I don't know. I love that movie a lot. I love Archimedes. Yeah, Archimedes is a good character. Um, the that can, like my my asked my parents like how obsessed I was with Merlin because of that movie. I loved that Merlin. I was obsessed with the Sam Neill. <laughs> I was yeah. I was TV. I was waiting for this to come up. If you if you weren't going to, I was going to. Where I loved that TV miniseries as a kid. I have it. I had it on Puffy VHS. Whoa! Mm-hmm. Remember the Puffy yes, VHS? Yes, I do. I was when I had pneumonia. My parents bought it for me one day because I was, you know, a little else to pass my time. I think we just had the flat cardboard sleeve yeah. on that one because we we got a bunch of them. We also got the Lily Sobieski uh, um, Joan of Arc, which I was also convinced was great when I was a kid. It is not, although the Merlin is. Um, you're convinced that Merlin was great? <laughs> well, no, I was going to say as an adult, I'm like Merlin is still great, but the more it's scenes show. Easy as hell. Yeah. It's very, it's like a very, there was like a, that era of like 90s miniseries. We were so big on that. We like, were. It was Did Hallmark. Did you see the Odysseus one? I it talk about the Odysseus one all the was time. Was it ABC? I thought was, a lot of them were Hallmark. Hallmark did a bunch, but the ones that I was okay. really into was ABC, because they did Merlin, they did the Odyssey, they did Joan of Arc, they did a weird Leprechauns one, they did, uh, I think one of their last ones was, um, what was the one with the Lilliputians? Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. You sure that was on Hallmark? Positive. I need to look this up now. Because I feel like I had Gulliver's Travels on VHS. And that's why I remember it being Hallmark. I talk about that Hermes. From Frosted the Odyssey. Hips. I love him. Yeah, I remember. I Super actually gay. will... I, I still kind of, like, stand that movie because it's... God, Ted Danson. It's, it is mega cheesy and some of the casting is like, huh? But it's secretly kind of amazing. So it was Hallmark Entertainment on NBC. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So... 
Both. Neither of you were right? Yeah, everyone fails. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> guess you, you, did, you just said Hallmark. Yeah, I was saying that. Hallmark because I distinctly remember they were the ones who released the VHS tape, and I always yeah. thought it was weird that like the greeting card people were in the market of making these miniseries. Yeah. This was obviously before Hallmark Channel became the behemoth that it is today. Uh, the God bless them. The behemoth that makes a lot of media that I don't know a single person that watches. Um, I do. I just love to snuggle with my wine and my Hallmark blanket. Rose. And watch some Hallmark Christmas. Yeah. He pours Rose into his hot chocolate to watch their yes. Christmas. To watch their Christmas romances. Yes. Yes. Yes, Scott. So the one thing that I can think of when I was trying to think back, uh, especially on movies that I loved as a child that later lost their luster when viewed later in life, the one thing that I hit on because I don't know if anyone else has seen it or has any particular affinity for it, is the movie Pete's Dragon. I never saw it as a I, never, I never liked Pete's Dragon. Okay, so here, it's it's like two and a half hours long, right? It's, it's a fucking slog wow. to get through, which is the one thing I remember about I remember renting it so many times from, like, the video rental place. My parents were eventually like, you can't rent this anymore. This is so long, and we're tired of, like, having it on. <laughs> I love that your parents had to step in and be like, Brendan, enough. Yeah. <laughs> We can't keep renting this. And eventually it was something, so like it was something that I probably seen when I was in like elementary school, right? And then I saw it on DVD probably in college and I was like, oh, this really is long and it's not very good. It feels so bloated and shapeless and, you know, it's kind of patchy from a story perspective, right? Didn't you like the remake a lot? Oh, I thought the remake is terrific. Which is, that's a consensus I've seen. Yeah. That the remake is sort of like a really good movie that people have kind of slept on. Yeah. Deal with the dragon. What's that? What's the deal with the dragon? What do you mean, what's the deal with the dragon? What's the, what's this deal? Is it a real dragon? Yeah, it's a real dragon. Why does no one see him? Uh, he can turn invisible. Is it okay. still real in the in the the new one, the remake? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. He's real in both of them. In the remake, it's really cute because there's, in the beginning, little baby Pete's driving with his parents in the car and they get into a car accident. And little baby Pete has, like, a book about a puppy named Elliot who, like, lost his way home or something. And so when he, like, the dragon finds him in the woods as, like, a child, he names the dragon Elliot after the dog in the story. Aww. It's so cute. That it's such really a good sweet. movie. It really is. Like, that's, you know what? That's a perfect example of what we need to be doing. Remaking crappy movies into better movies. I don't know. I mean, I feel like arguably... That's sort of what Sleeping Beauty in Maleficent could have been, right? Because could like, have Maleficent like is the most interesting character in that movie. I mean, I would say like her and the three fairies, right? They're like the characters yeah. who drive the plot for the most part. So like, and they also have the most interesting tension. But the yeah. three fairies are annoying as hell. <laughs> I like the three fairies. I like them, but I do agree with Leah. They do have this kind of obnoxiousness about them. Whereas yeah. I think Maleficent, at least in Sleeping Beauty, is just like cool and sort of aspirational and like <laughs> I. I don't know. She just looks amazing. She just, you know, teleports in with this green fire. She's no, amazing. she is. Yeah, I mean, and she's like very, cool, like very cool and collected, and like she's kind yeah. of she's spooky and arch. She's not like, yeah, I don't know. It's I know that yeah, she does like put a curse in this like woman to put her sleep, or whatever. But like, I mean, we've all been tempted to do it, and, and some of us have. <laughs> you know, there's just like she's the only one with any color. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ironically. Yeah. I mean, it is black. it is sort of interesting how, like, a character who is, so like, in animation, a medium that requires you to sort of be a little bit big, and, like, animation, by definition, implies that there is some movement. Maleficent is a character who, for the most part, just sort of, like, stands there, like, quietly and makes speeches and, like, sits, like, you know, yeah. off to the side, very stationary for most of the time. And it's just interesting how, like, a character can be so captivating right. and yet do so little in terms of, like, actually drawing your yeah. eye to them. It's an interesting sort of, like, masterclass in, like, the subtlety of animation. But honestly, like, Sleeping Beauty is such a boring story. It is. I mean, it is. You'd have to... I, I, that's honestly... I 
thought a lot, and like I know I talked to you before about maybe doing a mini episode someday about like pitch it, like doing a feature length version of a fairy tale. Yeah. Because I've thought a lot about like what you might want to do for a Sleeping Beauty adaptation in order to make a character who is by necessity asleep for at least half the story interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's a tough story to crack. I think. Yeah. You also, at times in that movie, I feel like you just, like, forget that she's an entity in that world, because everyone else just has more interesting things going on. I mean, again, she there's, like, one scene where she talks. Literally one scene. It's when they're in the woods. As soon as they leave the woods, she stops talking. It's just, like, they went out of their way to make her, like, a non-entity in that yeah. movie, almost. I don't think it was intentional. I've heard people try to argue that it was, like, an intentional thing to try and make because, like, the fairies are ostensibly the protagonist, but I don't think that's true. Yeah. I just can't imagine why you would, like make a movie called Sleeping Beauty and then be like, but actually it's about the fairies. <laughs> I feel like the Sleeping Beauty story can't be about the Sleeping Beauty, though, because... That's she, true. She has such not, a passive character. Yeah, whoever the Sleeping Beauty is in this story, like, they are, they're, they don't have any agency. Right. By, by virtue of the fact that they're cursed. Right. And so, like, the protagonist is probably whoever rescues the Sleeping Right, Beauty. the prince. Yeah. Which I think is... I didn't love Maleficent, but I think that is something that Maleficent kind of tried to do well, is it focused a lot on the relationship between Aurora and Maleficent. And so, as a consequence of that, like, she's awake for most of the movie. Because most of the movie is, like, her in the wilderness being raised by, like, these three idiots who can't do shit. And, like, Maleficent, like, like, leading it through the window, like, trying to, like, prevent her from falling (laughs) off a cliff or whatever. And so it's just, like, you, you get a lot of that. And then she doesn't, you know, get cursed until very, like, you know... Well into Act 3, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, the curse is in effect. Right. From the beginning. Yeah, sorry. So the curse is in effect, but she's not asleep until... And, like, there's... I mean, there's, like, she tries to end the curse before it happens. And she realizes that she can't because it was too powerful. Yeah. Which is which is a good touch, I thought. No, it is. It is. There's like I said, God, we should just do Maleficent for this we sometime, should. honestly. I love I love a lot of things, but no, I think it, it made a lot of like good decisions and a lot of like really bizarre decisions. There's multi- I think there's some missteps. Yeah, there are sure. there are things I really like about that movie and things that I just question the logic. I'm of. obsessed with the decision to make the Raven like a, a weird manship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Irish dude, yeah, that sort of becomes her like second in command, yeah. which is like the best thing ever. But also, like he, like he turns into the dragon. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Like, that was one of those things I which did not like. Lame because if I... she can turn, if she can like, if she's under chains, right? But she can still use magic, right? Why not just Why turn yourself like, into a dragon? Yeah. Also, like, yeah. don't take that moment away from right. Her. No, it's like that is like I feel like if you look at the anime movie, that's probably like, the defining moment for the character of Maleficent. So it's really weird that they would give that to someone else. Yeah, yeah. It's also kind of nuts that like could you just do that all along. Yeah, right. And, like, <laughs> is that, does that take no more or less power than like turning <laughs> into a man? I guess like within that world, God is truly a writer. Like we really can't give this away until later. Yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting. I, I kind of that's. I did want maybe more explanation of like what can you what can she do like yeah. what is the limits of what she can do because I'm confused fairy magic baby she can do anything that's right so guys I'm I'm kind of bracing myself for that Maleficent sequel because it's I'm gonna watch it I mean oh, yeah. I'm gonna watch, we'll watch it. it we'll go we'll go maybe that'll know. be that'll be a mini episode too yeah oh that would be a good one yeah a la Nutcracker and Mamma Mia here we go again um so I want to talk about Better Off Dead because. Better Off Dead is a great movie. Yeah. But when it was on, when I, my experience with it was that it was one of the comedy central movies that would play, like, all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And they play an abbreviated version of it, and they would censor it. And I, I came to hate Better Off Dead. <laughs> because I had, it was, like, one of five movies that I was able to see. Mm-hmm. And I'd, like, come home and be like, this fucking movie again. 
And I just got so bored of it, and I, like, was missing some of the best parts because of the way they edited it down. Mm. And then when I picked it up on Blu-ray, I mean, I, I must have liked it so at least enough to, like, decide to buy it again later on in mm. life. Because I remember buying it in, like, seeing the full version and being like, this movie is the fucking best thing I've ever seen. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I've only... I mean, I think I caught parts of it when it was on TV, but I think I only saw it all the way through as an adult. Yeah. And I just... I did love that movie. Like, I... But there are truly things that I didn't... The humor that I didn't come to fully appreciate, I think, until I was older. Like, the mother's weird cooking. Yeah. The tentacles and everything, and the, <laughs> the green goo. I, I like, think I, think I actually think about the tentacle thing pretty often. Yeah. I it's... think as a kid, I accepted it more. I was just like, sure. <laughs> and as an adult, I'm like, they actually put, like, a, a fucking floating tentacle in the food. Yeah. And there's, like, that slime that moves up its own right. board off the plate. And still, that, like... French fries. French dressing. dressing. And and to drink, Peru. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And like, when Christmas, all they get for Christmas is microwave dinners. (laughs) Oh my god, so much of that movie is gold. That whole, um, everybody wants some sequence in the burger restaurant. Yeah. Love that. Very... What a trend to just have a lot of claymation randomly. It was the the 80s we were big on it. Thanks, California Raisins. You're welcome. Fuck you, California Raisins. Hey! You make grapes terrible. Hey, shut up! <laughs> this, is, this is a good skit we're doing. I think we're ready to put it on stage. <laughs> we, we, we've done all the workshopping yeah. we could possibly do with it. Is this improv? Um, so, when I was thinking about like movies that I really liked as a kid, uh, and then as an adult was like, hey, maybe not so much anymore... Uh, much like Jane Diane, I loved Grease 2 when I was little because I watched it at a friend's house a whole bunch. That's just one of the things that would be on when we would go over. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, like, God, this is so cool that they would, like, continue this story. And <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, because I, like... Continue this story, question mark? When you say this story, do you mean the story of, like... I didn't really... The principal and I, her secretary? I think in my mind, at the time, it was, like, presented to me as, like, it was a sequel. It's, like, the same world. And I think I was just so excited by the, that idea that I was just like cool <laughs> I can't wait um, to see another year at Rydell High right exactly um, I don't even know that I could have told you what the name of the high school was back then but it was just like it was so exciting of this idea of like I'm getting more of that cool so um, but as an adult I can look at that and just be like Gugh. I mean you can look at regular Grease also as an adult and be like Gugh. yeah but there are still parts of regular Grease that I'm like alright this is still kind of fun Grease 2 is a better movie do you think? I legit think it's a better movie. The music isn't. No, the music's pretty terrible, but I think the message of Grease 2, where, like, the guy has to be a slut oh, in order to sure. get Michelle Pfeiffer, is a lot more interesting than um, Sandy realizing that she has to put on a cat suit to get John right. Travolta. John Travolta but then he also, is the prize to be won. But then he also wears a, like, a letterman's cardigan yeah, for, like, he goes five for seconds. Track. For, like, five right. seconds. And then as soon as he sees her, he was like, oh, never mind, you're doing my thing, so that's yeah. what we're doing. He, like, now. goes off her track and, like, runs a lap it's like that's the last bit it's fucked up who cares no one cares anyways um um it's not a good movie but for my money i would rather watch grease 2 than grease the first i mean i i just thought we could i mean i don't know if i'm not gonna speak for you guys but mm-hmm. i could definitely say that love actually is one that i loved as a child when it first i didn't came see out. love actually until college really yep i don't know that until i didn't think about any of the school. problems it had until I saw it in high school much later well i mean again like 
That makes sense, right? Like it, 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 it like speaks to the lizard part of your brain, right? It overrides yeah. like any sense of like logic or continuity or story or character. It speaks to you're like, like the cozy oh, part Christmas. of your brain. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I think it's the cozy part. Yeah, of it's just brain. like it's like opening a box of like you know chocolates and be like, oh, so many different little stories yeah. all in here. Like every one is like it's so tiny and sweet, I except for the also... one where you know they break up. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> and where Laura Linney doesn't get laid. That's one so fucking sad. Like, I don't feel like I, I grasped the true sadness of, of Laura Linney's plotline until I was, like, a full adult. I also think that movie catches on pretty strong because it's a movie, at least in my experience, I was almost always watching that with a group of friends. And it was just a thing of, like, yeah, this is, like, so good to do this together. I don't know. I feel like that, like, that I, like, combined those two experiences in my head and that, like, buoyed up my affection for that movie for a long time. I mean, I think it's frothy. There's a countdown to Christmas. People like Christmas movies in general. I also think as a movie that airs on TV, it's very easy to jump in at almost any point in that movie and Mm -hmm. watch it and understand what's happening because every storyline is so fucking simple that you don't need to go in, like, knowing, like, oh, wait, but who's this guy? He's hung up on her? I don't follow because they will repeat it to you, like, every fucking scene. My mom will still reference the, um... Hugh Grant dancing sequence, like, on a <laughs> semi-regular basis. She, she likes to see those Hugh Grant moves. Yeah. And you know what? Why not? Why not? It is... It is. He's among the, the more charming aspects of that movie. Yeah. If you want to see Hugh Grant dance, you could just see Paddington, too. <laughs> That's true. Yep. You could also hear him sing Stephen Sondheim, so, uh... I don't know why you wouldn't just watch that instead of Love Actually, but that's neither here nor there. When I was, like, 11 and saw uh, Star Wars Episode One in theaters, I did for, like, a solid six to eight months, being like, God, that was actually a really fun movie. I mean, so that's the... But that's, like, a weird thing with Episode One in general. If you look at the critical reviews when it came out, it got very favorable reviews. It wasn't until, like, after the fact that people started, like, reevaluating it critically. So, I mean, I feel like for the whatever reason, a lot of people at the time, like, just really... I don't remember I, what I thought of it, honestly. I just remember being like, I just, I was so dazzled by it. I also remember, like, even specific things that come up now as, like, things that I would agree are complaints against the movie. At the time, I was like, fuck yes. Like, the whole pod racing thing, which I think is pretty boring now and also takes up way too much of the movie. Uh, as a kid, I was like, yes, this is so awesome. And I loved the video game. Oh, oh Racer was great. Yeah. That is great. And you yeah. play with 264 controllers. Yeah. You, yeah. Oh, like so good. Yeah. You do the real yeah. thing with joysticks so and cool. it's fucking impossible. Yeah. It is. It's ridiculous. But like, what a great idea. I love yes. it. <laughs> what, a, what a terrible, wonderful idea. It was yeah. so fun. But, but yeah, then, yeah. It was just like I don't know. I, I I I watched it a bunch. I liked the design a lot more than I liked. Like I remember. I think what I one thing I would have remembered is that uh, yes, X wings are pretty cool, but mm. I love Nubu Starfighters. Well, the Nubu Starfighters, really yeah, cool. they're really I fucking neat. love them. Yeah. They're like those sleek, they're pitchfork sort of ones, looking. Right? Yeah, they're pitchfork. Yeah, they're, they're yellow like on yellow top, and silver. silver on the bottom. Yeah. No, I mean that's the thing. Like with Episode One, I feel like as a child, especially because again, like as we mentioned several times, as a child, you don't all, you're not always able to pick up on like why a story might not work. So like I imagine watching Episode One when we were like. 10 like we would have been like what 12 when it came out you would have been like oh wow like it's so cool like what a fun world what a neat looking spaceship like what a great looking planet this must be so i probably like shut my brain off yeah all the jedi talking about taxes scenes (laughs) oh my god i mean that's for the most part that's i feel like that was kind of my reaction too right like i i wasn't really able to like you know as a kid well as a kid it's like 
I couldn't tell that this story has no clear protagonist because, right. like, I don't know what that means, really. Right. You know, like, I know that there are characters I'm following, but here's Anakin, here's Obi-Wan. Like, I know these guys. Here they are on Coruscant. I finally get to see Coruscant on screen. What a great movie. But yeah. I even thought at the time, like, oh, that's, like, so cool. They're trying to explain... They're trying to, like, make the Force have, like, a scientific presence in the body. Whereas now I think it's, like, really fucking stupid. But then I was just like, neat! Yeah, I don't think midichlorians are an inherently bad idea. I just think that they were executed with, like all the subtlety of a blunt knife. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really just in there so that, like, Yoda can basically hold up a chart and be like, look, he's the strongest Jedi ever. Right. And like, yeah. with, you know, th- that's the only reason why midichlorians are there and why they're almost never discussed again in any of the other movies. I, I definitely agree with you, though, Lee. The design in general of that movie is super cool. Like, there's a yeah. lot of really cool visual touches. Yeah, and frankly, I would argue that... While Force Awakens and Last Jedi are better movies, I think the visual like worlds created in the prequels are more interesting than what they've done with the other two movies. They're definitely more colorful. They are. There's just like a lot more like different and excitement there. I think you that's know a generational I mean? too. Like uh, because I feel like nowadays, you know, look at the '70s Superman compared to like Superman of Steel or like like we all the costumes now have to be like a little less saturated. Right. That's true. There has to be like a everything's more desaturated, everything's a little more gritty, it's supposed to look more grounded and real. I mean, I think it's also just that, like, for the most part in those movies, there's not a whole lot of sequences where they go to, like, very weird different planets. Like, there is not a Coruscant in those movies, you know? Like, you're not going to, like, in... The first one you have Maz's you have castle. You see that like one shot of the planet and, get blown up. Yeah, that's I right. Do, yeah, and you I have Canto like Bites. Castle a lot. And you have Canto Bites in the Last Jedi, which are like the two scenes in the movie to have like a bunch of weird shit. But like that's about it, right? Most yeah. of the Last Jedi is like you know people running away from the First Order or Ray and Luke, you know, on an island somewhere. It's just sort of like it does not lend itself well to visual opulence. Yeah. In the same way that the prequels sort of did. That's true. So you know. Well, again, as I said, they are better movies, but I think there is something to be said for, like, the visual insanity of the prequels. Well, and just, like, even, like, Amidala's, like, a million costume changes are, like, those are still kind of dazzling even today. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, maybe there's still time for that, too, like, to get another big city. I I, I mean, I do think that, like, I think it's fine that the stories in... Force Awakens and Last Jedi didn't really call for, like, a big metropolis setting, but, like, I think part of it is just that because you were heading to the capital of this, like, what's Green Avondale's planet? Yeah. Naboo. Naboo? Yeah. yeah like, that just it was a fascinating, like, it was a very lush planet, and it, it was is. a very gorgeous, like, city. Right. And it also, and, it looks very unique and of its own style. Yeah, and I'm also, like, there's also sort of, like, a, uh, like, I don't know, I want to say generational difference, because I know that's what you said, but it doesn't quite make sense, because the idea yeah. is that, like, if the original trilogy in Star Wars is, like, World War II, the prequel trilogy would have been, like, the Victorian era. So the idea is, like, of course you're going to, ha- like, have everything be, like, much bigger and much more over the top, because there's not a war going on, right? Mm, yeah. so, whereas now it's like, oh, like, we're, we're fighting the First Order again, so naturally we don't really have time to, like, put on a lovely dress. It's more austere. Like, go to a castle, right, yeah. yeah. So it's like, by necessity of the story, you don't really get those moments. Yeah. And that is fun, like you said, that's fine, I think. It's just, it's just something that I, like, I watch and I was like, ah, but what if? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of like, I feel like if you wanted to compare... That style, like, I think Valerian is what you're looking for. Of, like, yeah, that's uh, true. That is yes. true. Like, so we, we'll still get that. We'll get it even better than we did. But, like, just the, the, the current set of movies is not really, like, calling for this big... And that may be, you know, like, part of that might be the difference between, like, what, um, you know, who's he watching that made all the Star Wars wanted in his prequels Lucas? versus... Yeah, George okay. Lucas. Um, versus, like, what they wanted to do with this new, like, thing. But, like... Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think mostly it's just that, like, the stories for these new ones have been more... They are, they come from, like, a general sense of, like, desperation. I'm like, like, we don't have a lot. Yeah. We really have not... and Because even the side stories they've done have been, like, Hana's a fucking penniless R- Right, guy. he's a smuggler once again, like, well, doing yeah. his old thing. And yeah. Rogue One is just straight and up yeah, a Rogue War just, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, a, that's true. Like a gritty, the, the squad against the world kind of war yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I, I get it. The prequels are a really good example, I think, though, of something that, like, you sort of adjust your nostalgia goggles as you grow older yeah. with them, right? Because I feel like even at the time, like, I probably realized, I think, I'm pretty sure I realized watching Attack of the Clones that, like, it was not that good. Like, right. I, like, I was about the age there where I could watch a movie and be like... Like, Attack of the Clones is really much more obviously bad, too. No, it is. I mean, it's it's, it's bad. Hayden Christensen's bad in it. It has a romance that never quite works. Whereas, like, The Phantom Menace is, like, throwing so many things at you that, like, your eyes constantly moving from one thing to the other that, like, you almost don't have time to immediately register, like, the flaws. Attack of the Clones is like, okay, you're following this romantic subplot for an entire fucking movie. So, like, if it's not drawing you in, you were just lost. I think yeah. part of it is, like, there was so much excitement over this. We're, like, we're getting this new Star Wars movie for the first time in however many... Yeah. long amount of time so I just feel like just getting that Star Wars taste again was such a huge deal and then by the time that Attack of the Clones rolls around we're like uh, okay I mean that was fine for like coming back in I guess but this is, we gotta like juice this up yeah to take it away from Star Wars because I wanted to come back what? to other movie there are really good examples of this but I'll go back to sleep I just want to say gross point blank because I was on a sort of like uh-huh. John Cusack kick yes. yeah. as a child and I saw a lot of them death that fucking holds up I haven't, I haven't seen that forever. Really? Yeah. It's so good. You I think the last that. time I saw it was probably with you. In like, college? No. It might have been the last time I saw it. I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe not. But it's such a good movie. He's like a therapist that he's essentially holding hostage. Yeah. I love Gross Point Blank. No, I remember it well. I just, I can't think of the last time I would have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I texted my mom, um... When I was coming home from work, and I just said, like, were there any movies that I watched a lot as a kid that you guys thought were just, like, terrible? And that, like, you know, you couldn't stand to see if there was something that, like, maybe I was forgetting about that Which they could... Ones? Oh, she said, I don't know, Brendan, you had pretty good taste. Aww. <laughs> and we always led you toward the pretty good movies. She said, like, which I think yeah. is, like, fairly true with my parents, you know? Like, I feel like there were certain things that, like, we owned certain movies, and those movies were, like, generally, like, fairly good movies, you know? Yeah. So it's it's just kind of, like, that. that's what I saw growing up, because that's what we had available to us, you know? See, I, I had an extensive cable selection to mm-hmm. browse from when I was a kid, because yeah. I had my own TV with my own cable, um, essentially, because it was, like, there was, like, two dens, and I was just able to use one. And I also um, got onto, like, the TCM kick early on, and so a lot of the movies that I saw were, were by nature, good movies, because yeah. they were on TCM... There are some bad movies on TCM when they are... That's what I lived for, honestly. Mm-hmm. I lived for, like, seeing, like... Yeah, like, the night the ones that no one had... You'd never see because they're, like... I used to, like... Uh, they meant that they wouldn't show anything, like, enough movies that were, like, 1940s and earlier. It was he- leaning heavily towards, like... I think nowadays they even show some 80s movies, and I, I boo that. Ew. Get the fuck out of here. Go yeah. to AMC where you belong. But AMC like, doesn't show movies. <laughs> They used to. I know, right? All the time. (laughs) Yeah, I know they used to. FX used to be the big movies. But like, yeah, I just wanted to see like all of the. Also had a talk show with a puppet, but here we are. (laughs) I just wanted to see like the obscure ones. Yeah. And the ones that I'd never get to see otherwise. And Mm -hmm. so like I remember like I used to look at the listings and like save them all, and like 
But th- those are movies that I de- like. You kind of have a sense that, like, if if you haven't heard of it today, mm-hmm. then it's probably not that good. Like, it probably wasn't that good. I, I guess with like the prevalence of internet culture, with so much inter- information like rally your fingertips, yeah, to yeah. an extent, right? There was this one that I I loved as a kid mm-hmm. that I bought. I have it on DVD now. Like, I've sought it out so many times. Um, but it was such a trial to get at the time because getting these things was much harder. Uh, it was called uh, The Law and the Lady. And it was, it featured one of Elizabeth Taylor's ex-husbands. One of the le- Which one am I, right? Ones, um, and Greer Garson. And they oh. were like a pair of like con artists that they like, one of them, he was like a sort of disgraced noble. Uh, and she was like a common person. And they like teamed up to mm-hmm. like, sort of these scams. And they, they got like, they basically like kicked out of all the casinos in Europe because of the scam they run. And they like go to America and they move in with this like oil Baron heiress or something. She's the old woman who's like, but she has, I think she's either a gun baron or like <laughs> her husband either made guns or had oil. Okay. Right. And like, they like sort of take up with her because they know she has a bunch of jewels. So they're like, gonna like shimmy after her and then like eventually steal the jewels and fuck off. Yeah. And there's like this sort of like hot Spanish, like rancher that lives next door from like a Mexican, like a, like a, a note family or something. And like, they, this movie sounds wild. It's a weird sort of like, and there, so it's like a sort of weird like love triangle where like the nobles, the one that's her partner, sort of fall in love with her. But like, there's this like hot rancher guy who's like Latin and very sexy. Uh, it was. It's not that great. It's kind of a mess, I think. But it just hit all my buttons. At According the time. to Wikipedia, it was Greer Garson, Michael Wilding, yeah. and Fernando Lamas. Oh, Fernando Lamas. It was something else. <laughs> that sounds. I mean, would, do you think that would be something you would still enjoy now? Yeah, I have. I know. Because I, and I've, I haven't seen it, like, in the past at least five years. But um, I just... It's, like, my kind of movie. It has, like... And it, I remember being shocked because I, I have this... I know... I, I knew my history even back then with, like, the kind of characters that I like and the kind of outcomes that they typically reach. Mm-hmm. I remember being shocked that Michael Wildig wins the love triangle. <laughs> I was like, for sure... This, like, sort of, like, smarmy, like, skinny, smart dude is gonna lose to, like, the hotter, (laughs) like, like, nicer guy, right? Because, like, Michael, you know, his character was, like, kind of a bit more of, like, a social, a morally ambiguous dick. Mm. (laughs) And he was, like, very, like, he was just milquetoast bullshit compared to, like, Fernando Lamas's, like... I don't have any patience for this milquetoast bullshit. bullshit. But, yeah, I remember being shocked that, like, uh, sort of the cleverness and the smugness won the day over, like, the typical... Just like in real life. Yeah. I mean, important lesson for you to learn, I think. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, right? Knock on wood, cleverness and smugness always wins the day. <laughs> yeah, that might have been why I liked it so much because I feel like if it, had been, I feel like most of the time that's not how these things work out, right? Like it, it yeah. would be a story about how she gets reformed. Yeah, and then she ends up with this like nice rich guy. I mean, especially at that time, right? Yeah, but no, they just sort of, they they do get reformed, but they reform together, and she's like, no, I'm gonna be with this guy that I've been with the whole time. Like that's a good that's a good ending. Uh, I can't really think of anything else though. Honestly, there's there's so many there are a lot of TBDs or movies I have to rewatch. The but, only other thing I could think of, especially when I went to like a look at my DVDs in my room, was um, I, I still have it, but like I and it's like a fine movie now. But I used to like think like Garden State was this like oh you know what deep. I, I have movie. to confess that I did like Garden State. Mm, yeah, I, right? don't, I would not touch it with a ten foot pole. No, <laughs> I mean now I'm I'm almost too afraid because I think I would just like fully hate it. But oh, I know I would hate it. Like, I, I I thought you were going to say that you were afraid to tell people that you used to like Garden State because I'm afraid to tell people <laughs> that you used to like Garden State. I mean, I don't. 
remember, like, I know I saw Garden State, right? Like, I it's probably... It's just, like, sad white boy. Or, yeah. No, I mean, like, I remember, I remember, like, what happens in the movie, yeah. right? But that is to say, I probably saw it when it came out on DVD. I'm sure I didn't see it in theaters, but I can't for life me remember, like, how I felt about it at the time, you know? I feel like if I had really liked it, I would have owned it, and I never did. So I probably, it was probably just something at the time that I was just sort of like, meh, okay, like... It's really, I'm not always about that genre of movie to begin with, so yeah. it's just sort of like it might might be harder for it to, you know. I never owned it, but I I think I watched it and thought like I think I was like Chris. I was like, yeah, this is thinking. This is thoughtful. Well, it was like it's thoughtful. <laughs> it's emotional. Yeah. yeah, it's a little weird. It's cool. Me feel things. And, well, and maybe because like I did watch a lot of junk. Like I watched a lot of com. I don't like to watch serious shit a lot. I like to right. watch light stuff and comedies. And so maybe I thought I was cool by like watching. A movie where, like, movie. people yeah. cried. Right. <laughs> you know? And an indie dramedy, I guess. Where they, like, shot yeah. into a pit. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. super weird. Like, a guy lived in a trailer in this, like, rock quarry. Yeah. The one movie that I could... The only other thing that I could think of in terms of something that, um... I, I don't know if it's exactly like this, but um, when I was a kid, obviously, as a lot of people around our age group were, I was a huge fan of Power Rangers, like, as a child. Oh, of course. And so... I'm the only one that didn't like Power Rangers, apparently. I mean, it, it probably wasn't really, like, for you, you know? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, there was it's nothing about gays. that would appeal to you, is what I'm saying. It was for gays. <laughs> it was for gays. Our love of bright primary colors, But a lot of straight monsters, people loved Power Rangers. Gay oh, I know, I'm not being serious. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it was something that I loved while I was a kid. And I remember, like, insisting to my parents that when the movie came out that, like, I wanted to go see the movie. And I know we saw it probably at, like, a drive-in or something. And I feel like my parents were very polite in that they surely hated it but did not say anything. And as a child, I'm sure I thought it was like the greatest fucking thing ever. Where it's like, oh, like there's some new Power Rangers. They have new Zords now. Like there are new morphs that they have. This is terrific. I watched it like, I think probably it used to be on Netflix. Like a few years ago, it was on Netflix, and I watched it then, knowing obviously that it was not going to be a good movie. But I was like, well, maybe there'll be some something fun here for me. It's really terrible. Like it was more. It was more terrible than I actually thought it would be. To the point that, like, I texted my parents and was like, "I'm sorry that I made you take <laughs> me to see this movie." I'm pretty sure I made someone take me to Pokemon the first movie. I mean, I, I feel like Pokemon the first movie is no worse than the animated show that like bears the same name. So it's sort of like, you know, do you have a tolerance for that still? If you don't have a tolerance for that still, then you're probably not going to look back too fondly on the movie. Yeah. Well, it was a nice trip down Nostalgia Lane. It was. I don't, think, I don't think we can beat that, so yeah. we as well end it with that. I gotta say, I have my hard drive full of stuff, and I've, I'm definitely gonna plug it in and see what I got again tonight. Um, so yeah, catch us in two weeks, and we'll... A life less ordinary. Drink our limes less ordinary. Yeah. Have some special buds on with us. Mm-hmm. Until then. Until then. Bye! Bye! Bye.